Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Jesus speaks words today in that gospel reading, that reading from John's gospel, that are very different than our world. And when you hear them at first, they seem rather bizarre because he's teaching something that can only be done by him. He's talking first about death and resurrection. Jesus said, a little while and you will see me no longer, and again a little while and you will see me. So why does Jesus say this, and what does all this mean? Well, that was the thought on the disciples' mind, and John tells us what happened after Jesus said that. He said, so some of his disciples said to one another, what is this that he says to us? A little while and you will not see me, and again a little while and you will see me, and because I am going to the Father? So they were saying, what does he mean by a little while? We do not know what he is talking about. And that's understandable. It's understandable what's going on in their minds, because how can this be what Jesus says? Well, in that first reading from Isaiah, we hear something, again, about the mind of God, not understanding who he is. It's nothing new, right? He says, to whom then will you compare me that I should be like him, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes on high and see who created these things. He who brings out their host by number, calling them all by name, by the greatness of his might, and because he is strong in power, not one is missing. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Man can't comprehend the things of God, even when we behold his handiwork. Which one of you can look up at the stars in the sky and say, yeah, I can do that. I call that a Saturday. No. God, you can't do it. So then when Jesus views death the way that he views it, when we see it in light of the resurrection, we can't really fathom that in our minds. When we look at death, we see it as an end. But you see, when Jesus goes to his death... And he really is going to his death. It's no appearance of death, no fake death. No, he really died on the cross on Good Friday. God, the Son, died on the cross. But you see, he's the one who also takes it up again on the third day. So then in this little while, his disciples don't see him, and then they do see him again. So even though he was sealed in the tomb, even though it had all appeared to be over, even though it appeared that he would never be standing before them again talking, he rose, and he lives, and he reigns. And so how all of this is possible is because he is God in the flesh. He's true God and true man. So seeing the death of Jesus and seeing his resurrection then, it informs our lives. It teaches us how we view death, to be sure, but it also teaches us how we see what it is to live in this world. So that first part, seeing death, we know that in Christ our deaths are not the end. The confidence to face death as a Christian is one who knows that death has been defeated. It's to mock death. We see death through Christ crucified and risen, and that's what it means to be a child of God, born of God by water and the Spirit. And this is the promise that God has made us and gives us to us in our baptism, where we died and where we rose again. In Romans 6, we hear, For we were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death, 
in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. So then, looking at death, looking at our own deaths, whenever that may be, looking at them as Christians is to see that in a little while, we will rise from our graves too. Because Jesus is risen and so shall we. So we live as those who wait for the day, for our loved ones who died in the Christian faith, thinking about our own deaths, waiting for the sound of the trumpet, the voice of an archangel, and the cry of command of rise, when our bodies, like our Lord, shall rise from the grave. And the Lord promises this, and he promises that it's just a little while until it happens. Now, the other part of this is what Jesus explains as he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will weep and lament, but the world will rejoice. So looking at the death of Jesus, as Christians, we see it as good. We see it as something that the Lord has done for us. But when the world looks at the death of Jesus, they rejoice not for the glory that is the atonement for sin, but they see it as the death of an enemy. And that type of rejoicing is demonic and it's evil. When Jesus bowed up his head and gave up his spirit, the fallen world thought, finally, we got him. The world hates Jesus. It hates everything that he preaches. It hates everything he does. Because when we look around us, the world doesn't like to be called to repentance. It doesn't like to be told there is only one way to salvation. It doesn't like to be told that he must come first in everything. It doesn't like the fact that the he is the Lord, and he answers to no one, and in fact, we are the ones who answer to him. And that's terrible, that the world would rejoice at that. But we still see it today, don't we? We see it in how Christ is mocked openly in movies, television shows, and all other various forms of media and conversations, rejoicing over Jesus being pushed farther and farther out of things. So today is Mother's Day. And the world rejoices this day for mothers, which is good, and we rejoice with that. But this is also the same world, the same country, the same people that rejoice when a mother can go into a facility and kill her baby to rid herself of that same person who makes her a mother, all while claiming that it's her right or her choice. And if you saw the news this week, somebody praying outside for these people can then be ridiculed by a congressperson. That's the rejoicing the world does. It's the rejoicing of pure evil in this world that wants Jesus to stay dead so that we can live our lives as we see fit, which is to say that we can wallow in the filth of our sin. And we could think of so many other examples of, that would make our skin crawl, some even that we couldn't even think of, thanks be to God. The world, which means countries, it means states, it means communities, it means towns, we can keep narrowing down that sphere, you name it, it hates Jesus, and they rejoice over evil things. And today is no different. They rejoiced when they thought Jesus was dead and would stay dead. And they rejoice when they think they can kill him and his word, even in 2019. And this goes then to what Jesus says to the disciples. As he looks at them, as he's thinking about his death, and he's preparing them for what they will face as he will send them out to preach his word to all nations. 
teaching people to observe all things the Lord commands. He's teaching them that faithfulness to Jesus will bring about something. It brings about suffering for the people of God. And this is no surprise. That second reading from 1 John says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know him. And later on in that same chapter, in chapter 3, God says again through St. John, he says, Do not be surprised, brothers, that the world hates you. Just flat out says that. So being a child of God in this world, we're not known. They look at us as weird. Because when you stick to God's word and you actually live out what the word of God teaches, the world will hate you. Not it might hate you. Not it possibly could hate you. Not it might look down on you and say, ah, that's kind of different. No, it will hate you. And so God warns his people. He warns us. In 1 John chapter 2, in the previous chapter, he says, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and the pride of life, is not from the Father, but is from the world. So being a Christian is living a life under the cross. And for some, this actually means dying because of Christ. And we see this all the time in the news, more and more. And Lord, have mercy. But for us who live in this country, it's more nuanced. But it's a cross nonetheless. But you see, Jesus teaches you about your life and what you are called to see and what you are called to live. So when you gaze around the world you live in, starting in Benton County, Iowa, Keystone, Iowa, your own neighborhood, consider who you are in life as God has called you, as he instructs you in those stations in life according to his commandments. And as we heard today, you know that you have been born of God. And so from the time of your baptism, whether you were a few days old or whether you were an adult when you were baptized, when you were marked with the sign of the cross of one redeemed by Christ the crucified, you were put at odds with the world around you, like it or not. So the temptations that you face as you go through this world, they will come from the devil, they will come from the world, and they'll even come from your own fallen flesh. Now, you're not an apostle, like in the reading from John, but you are a Christian, a disciple, a student of the word. So following Christ and his word, you have sorrow even when you are faithful. It will happen. And it's getting amped up more and more in the world today. Look at just those seemingly simple things that you face in your own lives as you bear the cross of confessing Christ and his word. You're confronted with choices all of the time which you can either give in to sin and you, or you can turn from them and seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Think about just the mundane things that we face. Do I sign my kids up to play a sport to do an activity that would cause him to miss church on Sunday morning? Do I take a job that would cause me to do the same? Do I go around and gossip so as to put others down and to spread lies all around the town, or even if something is true, just so I can make myself look better? Do I find whatever loophole I can in situations in the law so that I can gain the advantage over my neighbor and maybe take something legally but still not right? Do I look down on marriage? Do I look the other way, going to weddings of couples who have mocked marriage, living together before marriage, 
going to a wedding of two people of the same sex? Do I view my marriage as something I can just cut and run when the going gets tough because I would like something easier and better? Do I really refuse to forgive and hold a grudge against those who have sinned against me? And do I want to just shove their shame in their face? The list goes on. And so we think long and hard about our life, even those simple things. And how the world would have us answer is yes to all of those things, because this is just the way things are. But you see, God calls you to something else. What does God tell you? He says, repent. He says, know who you are and know who your true father is. So going through this life is living in this reality of being hated, so quite a downer on this Mother's Day. Following Christ and his word, and there will be sorrow. You will miss events. You will miss opportunities others who reject Christ have and find joy in, albeit shallow joy. And you will have friends who mock you, either behind your back or to your face. You will have family members who call you unloving or ju- and judgmental, judgmental and maybe will never speak to you again. But whatever the case, you will suffer. But you see, amid all of this, why is this Sunday of the church here called Jubilate? Why do we have joy on this Sunday? Because you see, Jesus gives a great promise in all of this. Looking around and seeing all these things, Jesus says, you will be sorrowful, but your sorrow will turn into joy. When a woman is giving birth, she has sorrow because her hour has come. But when she has delivered the baby, she no longer remembers the anguish for joy that a human being has been born into the world. So also you have sorrow now, but I will see you again. And your hearts will rejoice, and no one will take your joy from you. So what a promise that Jesus places before your eyes today. What a promise to hear. And so that image, it just happened that this works out today on Mother's Day. This is the appointed reading. All of you who are mothers know this too well. Ever since the fall into sin, the joy of motherhood is birthed through pain. Labor is painful. More than I know as a man, I don't know that pain. But there is joy and there is purpose to all of it. There's a new life that emerges at the end of the pain. There's a baby that's born. And as a Christian, you have a joy that no one can take away from you. And you see, that's the joy of everlasting life with Jesus. A joy with all of God's saints. And that's true joy. It's the joy of God's mercy towards you in Christ. So that's what Jesus then holds before your eyes this day as you sit here. As you hear these words. This illustration of a woman is in labor to teach you about life in this world. There are actual benefits to bearing the cross in this life. That woman of a woman labor is also in the book of Revelation in chapter 12. There's a woman who's pregnant and she's giving birth. She's the church. The dragon, the devil, goes after her baby, God's saints. But what happens at the end? The dragon is defeated. And there's deliverance for the baby. And it's all but a little while when sorrow then is turned into joy. So commenting on this text today from John's Gospel, Martin Luther said this, and he puts it beautifully. Martin Luther said, quote, Christ also illustrates this with the example of a woman about to give birth. For her, the hour of endurance is now at hand. No one can say whether she will recover or die. 
All is anguish and anxiety with no foreseeable end, but everything is concentrated on the moment when the child is born into the world. And that moment, the anguish is immediately forgotten because of the happy sight of the newborn child. A change like this is also experienced here in this Christian life. Sadness will not last forever. It will turn into joy. Otherwise, our condition would be hopeless and helpless. But Christ has helped by saying that we will not be subjected to the eternal spectacle of the devil with his horns and claws, but that our hearts will again see Christ and rejoice in him. Thus, here on earth, Christians experience an ever-recurring alternation of a little while and again a little while. Now it is dark night. Soon it is day again. Therefore, the lamenting does not have to last forever, even though it seems and feels that way when we are in it. But even though we cannot see or determine the end, Christ has already done so. He points out to us in advance that we must bear the suffering, no matter how bad and how pleasant the devil makes it. Even though we do not see the end, we must wait for him who says, I will put an end to it and will again comfort you and give you joy. Dear Christians, beloved, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. And we know that when he appears, we shall be like him because we shall see him as he is. And thus, everyone who hopes in him purifies himself as he is pure. Jesus died, and Jesus rose again from the dead. And that means absolutely everything for you and your whole life. Your sin has been atoned for, and you are forgiven. You stand righteous before the very throne of God. And so even in suffering, you rejoice in Christ crucified for you. And baptized into Christ, you will live with Jesus, and you will rise from your grave. That's the promise God says. You really will. That will happen. Because death for you is not the end. Rather, it's your entrance into glory, your entrance into the church triumphant. And so going through this world, you will have sorrow, but you see this is but a little while. The glory of everlasting life, free of sin, free of the devil, free of death, that's not a little while. That's forever. So the labor pains of this life on this side of the grave will come to an end. The labor will be over and the joy will be eternal. And that true joy, the joy of Christ, the joy of salvation is something that no one can take from you. It's the joy that you share with your brothers and sisters in Christ, that shared joy as the body of Christ. You're the church, and you're not alone as you bear the crosses of being faithful to Christ and his word. The body of Christ is protected, and she is preserved by her bridegroom Christ. So too, the church sometimes is referred to as our mother, the large catechism reference to this is that God can't be your father if the church isn't your mother. So you're carried through her in this life through the word and sacraments and birthed into everlasting life. And all the while, all that little while, Jesus is yours and he takes care of you. And your Lord will give you the endurance to suffer this little while. And he will never forsake you. And he gives you the hope to see what it is to come. He places that hope before your eyes. He tells you the joy of a baby is wonderful to a mother. You will get through this. And he purifies you even as he himself is pure. So for all of that, thanks be to God that he has done it. 
that he's the one who's gone before you, even into, the, in, even into death, even as he bore his own cross, and he brings you into life. And so a little while, and you will see me no longer, and again a little while, and you will see me. Jesus did this, and you see him in faith as he comes to you now in word and sacraments. And you will, like Job, see him face to face in the glory that awaits you. It's only a little while longer, until sorrow, until sadness, until sin, until death, until the devil is over. And you, with your own two eyes, you behold and you see and you experience that joy that lasts forever. Let praises ring, give thanks, and bring to Christ our Lord adoration. His honor speed by word and deed to every land, every nation. So shall his love give us above, from misery and death set free, all joy and full consolation. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Hallelujah.